this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast i'm anand krishnan your host for today nearly 20 years after invading afghanistan to oust the taliban and al qaeda the us military vacated its biggest airfield in the country on july 3rd all this while the taliban's march through northern afghanistan gained momentum with reports of the capture of several districts from fleeing afghan forces fighting is raging and uncertainty prevails amid the us exit where is afghanistan headed and what are the stakes for india helping us make sense of the situation is swasini haider the hindu's diplomatic affairs editor and stanley johnny the hindu's foreign editor thank you both for joining us today thanks anand for hosting us thank you anand this is clearly going to be an issue that we're going to follow for the next few weeks at least for sure uh, and swasini i think uh, if i can come to you first you had a very timely interview in the hindu which we'll link to below the podcast with former afghan president hamid karzai can you share with us what was your takeaway from your conversation with him in terms of his views of where his country is headed and the us exit well i think and and you know one has to make the point that hamid karzai has been out of power for 7 years and yet he remains a power figure in afghanistan which gives you a sense of just how the last 7 uh, years have been seen in afghanistan uh, president ghani uh, while he has uh, um, uh, you know uh, uh, been in on good terms with the united states unlike president karzai was towards the end of his term uh, he uh, president ghani was invited to the us uh, by president biden just last week to discuss future uh, the future of afghanistan he's still not seen as someone who has control of the situation and as you were pointing out as the taliban continues to make uh, inroads continues to take over districts uh, and provincial headquarters uh, there is a uh, there is a worry that the government as we know it uh, is not going to be in control of afghanistan even in a, in a, in a matter of months uh, if not weeks so uh, i think the first thing uh, that my takeaway was that uh, former president karzai does feel that he's a, he, he you know that there is a need uh, for more to be done he is certainly himself uh, planning a mission to both pakistan and to doha talk to the taliban uh, about uh, the way forward Uh, i think there's a deep sense of worry amongst anybody who watches afghanistan who's in afghanistan or uh, who cares about where it's headed uh, about the the pace of the us uh, um, uh, of the us pull out uh, and i think even mr karzai who has for long been advocating that the us must pull out uh, made it very clear that he felt the manner of the us's pull out was an obvious what he called an obvious failure because if the mission 20 years ago was to end extremism then that's certainly not a mission accomplished and swasini he was fairly coy when you asked him about his political ambitions well i think no no leader or politician will ever admit to having uh, ambitions but the truth is this that right now you're in a situation where uh, and i think stanley has written this in in an article the options before afghanistan are threefold uh you either see a situation where uh, the taliban just takes over 
and and it goes in the way uh, 1996 does or you have a situation where somehow the ANSF is able to stabilize the situation uh, enough so that the current democratically uh, elected or uh, e elected government is able to survive, or there is some kind of a hybrid where you see a government of consensus, uh, where there are Afghan leaders who are elected, uh, along with Taliban leaders who are appointed, building some kind of a consensus government forward. In that situation, really, the top leadership jobs are up for grabs. And, and I, I do think that Mr. Karzai is amongst those leaders who is still seen as a potent force given his uh, years as, as a president, as well as his, uh, his, uh, his own following uh, in various parts of Afghanistan. Swasani mentioned Stanley's explainer, which we will also link to. Stanley, to begin with the deal that much was made of, the U.S.-Taliban deal, where does that stand at the moment? Uh, yeah, uh, Anand, uh, so in that agreement, in the February 2020 agreement, actually both sides dealt with four aspects of the conflict. You know, So one was, of course, to reduce violence and then um, start intra-Afghanistan peace talks and the pullout of the foreign troops. Uh, and then uh, Taliban cutting off all uh, ties with uh, foreign terrorist organizations such as Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. Uh, so if you look at this agreement, all these four terms of the agreement, and uh, where do uh, those terms stand today? Uh, you see, uh, Taliban have cut, uh, in a sense, Taliban has, uh, hasn't attacked American troops or NATO troops, uh, overall in general NATO troops, uh, since the agreement was signed, or it's come down drastically. While on the other side, Taliban continued to attack uh, the Afghan government troops or uh, even civil society leaders, uh, journalists, etc., etc., came under repeated attacks in Afghanistan over the last many months, which uh, the Afghan government says uh, is a Taliban act. And when it comes to foreign troops withdrawal, Taliban wants all, all foreign troops uh, to withdraw uh, from Afghanistan. So actually, the original agreement set the May 1st deadline for the U.S. troops to be pulled out. Biden had practically endorsed the Trump-Taliban agreement, but he delayed the troops pullout to September 11. So American troops are now, you know, uh, pulling out of Afghanistan. They uh, they left the Bagram Air Base uh, just last week, effectively ending the United States military operations in the country. Uh, and uh, by September 11 is the deadline, but. Uh, the, the speculation is that by July end or by early August, the U.S. troops would be out of the country. But uh, a hundred, uh, you know, a couple of hundreds of troops uh, might remain in the Kabul airport, according to an AP story, because uh, Turkey, which is now providing security to the airport, would continue to do that as part of an agreement between um, Turkey and the United States. So the U.S. might also uh, base some troops in the Kabul airport. Because Kabul airport for the Afghan government uh, and the, mission, the foreign diplomatic missions, as well as the foreign organizations, Kabul airport is the vital link uh, with the outside world. If the airport falls, which means entire operations in Afghanistan will be cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, so uh, troops pull out. Most of the combat troops, uh, foreign combat troops, would be out of Afghanistan by September, September 11. Uh, the third angle, you take uh, the case of uh, foreign terrorist organizations. Uh, you know, Taliban says that it has cut off all kind of uh, ties with uh, Al-Qaeda, and it is now fighting the Islamic State, ISKP, in eastern Afghanistan, in Angarhar, 
in the Nangarhar province. That's what Taliban claims is. And the United States, and there are conflicting reports. There was a UN report and Afghan government and intelligence. Uh, you know, they keep saying that Taliban's military advances are actually aided by the remains of Al-Qaeda. We don't have proof about it. But the United States is not contesting Taliban's claim that it has cut ties with Al-Qaeda, etc. And it's true that the Taliban and the IS are at odds with each other in eastern part of Afghanistan. And the most interesting part is the peace talks. So after the February agreement was signed uh, in September 2020 in Doha, intra-Afghanistan peace talks began. But it has been inconclusive so far. There has been no breakthrough. Taliban did not reduce violence on the Afghan troops. And uh, the peace talks is now are in a frozen stage, you know. And after the Biden administration was formed, uh, Blinken had suggested, had sent a letter to uh, uh, Ashraf Khani and suggesting that uh, the, uh, Turkey could hold could host a peace conference between Afghan government and representatives of the Taliban. Taliban uh, initially didn't uh, uh, reject it out of hand, but once Biden made his plans to delay the troops pull out, uh, made it clear, then the Taliban have rejected this uh, um, Turkey hosted peace talks as well. Uh, so the Doha talks or the proposed Turkey or the proposed Istanbul talks, nothing has taken off so far. Uh, so uh, we have to see whether the Taliban would return to the table once the foreign troops were out or whether the Taliban, which are already making rapid progress on the ground, would continue the military operations aimed at the takeover of the whole of Afghanistan. Now, Stanley, coming to those scenarios you underlined in your article, where do you think things are headed if you had to highlight one of the three as being the most plausible do you think the taliban will come back to talks now that the us has left or do you think they have kabul in their sights or do you think it's going to be a hybrid situation where parts of the country are under their control and the ansf has control over other parts of the country and perhaps the capital as well yeah uh, i think uh, this uh, yeah a power sharing government i think that looks or a peace a uh, peaceful settlement, at least for now, I think it looks a uh, very remote possibility. Because the problem is that, you know, Taliban never came under pressure, political and military pressure, to make concessions. Because uh, right from the direct talks between the Americans and the Taliban, at that time, at least the Americans had some leverage in the conflict, but their focus was on leaving Afghanistan, not on uh, attaining some kind of a political settlement in Afghanistan. Because Taliban um, said that they would not hold talks with the Kabul government because they see the government as a puppet of the United States. They would hold talks only with the Americans and the United States accepted that. So it is a de facto recognition of the Taliban's claim. I mean, at least for the sake of the peace talks. And the U.S. went ahead and directly holding negotiations with the Taliban. And after the agreement was signed, uh, the U.S. government actually put pressure on the Kabul government to release up to 5,000 Taliban prisoners. Uh, and the government had to do that. So uh, in any of these phases, if you look at uh, you know, the signing of the agreement uh, or the American withdrawal, Taliban did not come under any military or political pressure. So the point is that why should they uh, go to the talks now? Because uh, at a time when they are actually making uh, progresses, advances on the battleground, and in many places in the northern district, the Afghan government troops are they, they are retreating or they are just giving up uh, post without even a fight. So, so, so I think a peaceful settlement. Uh, I think it looks like a very remote possibility. 
And it's possible that in the battleground, the Afghan troops are now, as the Afghan commanders have uh, made it clear, that they are focusing on the key districts and the uh, city centers, uh, so that uh, they are kind of they are retreating from uh, from the uh, faraway uh, districts in the countryside where Taliban are already strong. Uh, so in that case, Taliban, the next phase of the Taliban's offensive would be to take over the cities. They are already in Kunduz city. Uh, Kunduz province, according to many analysts, could be the, uh, you know, could be the next big province to fall into the Taliban's hand. Uh, so uh, the, the, once the Americans are out, I think it could shift to the city centers. So uh, we don't know how, what will, what will be the actual outcome. So American intelligence agencies have apparently concluded that the government could fall, Kabul could fall in uh, six months. Uh, in, in the 1990s, if you look at it, the, the, the Soviets were out of Afghanistan in 1989. And uh, after the Soviet Union collapsed, Najibullah government fell. It still took four years for the Taliban to take over Kabul. So now the United States says it would continue the security assistance and military as, uh, and, and uh, diplomatic and political assistance to the Kabul government. And, uh, you know, if the help continues to flow in for the Kabul government and if the regional players also, uh, we don't know what kind of a role which Russia and China are going to play uh, once the Americans are out. Uh, so in that case, it may not be, uh, uh, you know, an imminent fall of Kabul because the government still has hold in the cities in, in almost all the population centers. So it's possible that we could see a prolonged uh, civil war like situation. Uh, between the Taliban and uh, the government forces. Now, in light of what Stanley just said, Suhasini, uh, what are the options for India? Safe to say, it seems India is talking to the Taliban, but is the MEA uh, saying on some level that they are, or are they still publicly denying having any contact with them? And is it just a matter of time before we go down that road? What is the situation as far as you see it in terms of India's engagement with the Taliban at the moment? Um, well, certainly they're looking at uh, the specter of what is unfolding in Afghanistan, as, as Stanley has put out there, uh, with increasing amounts of, uh, of worry and concern. Uh, what is important, and uh, while I agree with Stanley's prognosis, that the pa Taliban is looking to negotiate from, uh, from a, a position of strength, so they continue their uh, military foray, is that the Taliban has not yet walked out of the talks process, not in Doha, uh, and not uh, yet uh, completely broken off uh, with uh, the, the idea of reconciliation. In fact, we heard from Zabiullah Mujahid, the Taliban spokesperson, uh, speaking to Reuters saying we will have a written peace proposal, uh, possibly by the end of the month. Uh, but India is not taking chances. Remember, the last time India's position was very clearly we will not recognize a Taliban government. This time, India has not made that uh, taken that position. This time, the government seems to be saying we will deal with, you know, Afghanistan, we will deal with Kabul. Uh, so when it comes to that question that you asked about how is the MEA dealing with reports about talks with the Taliban, uh, there have been three separate MEA responses in the last month on this. Um, the first time when it did emerge uh, that, uh, that there were some contacts between the government and uh, uh, the Taliban, uh, the, uh, the MEA's response had been very interesting, asked a specific question about that report. Uh, the MEA's response was, we are in touch with all stakeholders. Um, a few weeks later, in fact, we at the Hindu had broken a story about uh, a Qatari official saying that he understood that Indian officials had meant, met with Taliban in Doha 
had made a visit to Doha very recently in the last few weeks. Um, interestingly, the announcement coincided around the time that the external affairs minister, S. Jai Shankar, had visited uh, Doha twice uh, within a span of a week. Um, and that Qatari official's uh, uh, statement was essentially that India is in touch with the Taliban or has made this visit to the Taliban. Again, the MEA's response was, uh, we are in touch with all stakeholders. Uh, India is engaged in Afghanistan completely. But then the third, uh, uh, the third uh, announcement uh, report that came out said specifically that it was external affairs minister who had met with uh, um, uh, leaders, Afghan leaders like Mullah Baradar there in uh, Doha. And that's something the MEA came down very hard on and, and made a very, very uh, strong denial of, called them baseless and mischievous reports. Um, so what they were uh, really uh, denying, very importantly, was that it was at the external affairs minister's level that these talks were continuing, but not denying that possibly uh, some diplomats, as well as, of course, security officials, are engaged in talks uh, with the Taliban. Essentially, these talks boil down to uh, two things, uh, that India should not be antagonistic to a Taliban regime at the helm in Kabul, and that uh, the Taliban regime must not uh, see India as an inimical force, must not target Indian interests in Afghanistan, whether it is our development work, whether it is our diplomats there. Um, I, I do think, as I said, India is really taking no chances on the security front. You've already seen for the last year, two of the four Indian missions in Afghanistan have been operationally closed. India brought back, the government brought back uh, staff from those two in uh, Herat as well as in uh, Jalalabad. Uh, ostensibly because of the COVID uh, pandemic, but actually uh, we understand that it was really for security reasons and they have not yet gone back. So India is taking a very, very cautious position and even this engagement with the Taliban uh, that comes right at the end when, uh, frankly, the US has pulled out, the Taliban looks to be getting more and more uh, powerful in Afghanistan and every other player in the region has already talked uh, to the uh, Taliban, every other uh, uh, player in the region, Russia, China, Iran, everybody is in touch with the Taliban. At that time, India's decision to open what are furtive right now, uh, cl uh, closed door uh, and very quiet talks, is essentially a very cautious position. Swasni, on the Pakistan factor, something we haven't spoken about yet, uh, how do you think we should understand how things have changed from 20 years ago to now? in terms of the Taliban-Pakistan equation, that's something that obviously India has always been concerned about. How, how are things different now, if at all, from 20 years ago? Unfortunately, it is yet to be seen whether they are uh, really going to be different in terms of uh, the uh, how it plays out in Afghanistan. One of the things President Karzai said again and again, and he is, in fact, going to visit Pakistan, is that there must be no foreign uh, influence on Afghanistan, that Afghan, uh, Afghanistan must be sovereign. That's the red line as far as the Taliban uh, 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 joining any kind of power sharing is concerned. But in actuality, we all know that it is Pakistan that has been leaned on by the United States, by Qatar, by Turkey, by others in this Russia, China, Iran, uh, in order to use its influence with the Taliban. The US came in to fight extremism in Afghanistan, to fight ta the Taliban. Uh, they put um, several of these Taliban leaders under sanctions. 
And uh, 20 years later, not only is there an acknowledgement that these Taliban leaders were supported by Pakistan or that they are housed in Pakistan, uh, that there is, uh, you know, the, the position now of the international community is to actually be asking Pakistan for help to deal with the very leaders that were put under sanctions. Uh, so there does seem to be a real uh, sense of deja vu that the international community has not yet understood that regardless of who comes to power in Afghanistan, until the safe havens for those who perpetrate violence against civilians, terrorist groups, are not out of Pakistan, uh, that violence can be turned on and turned off at any point. Uh, so I think that while India understands the sensitivity of the situation, India itself has been in some kind of quiet talks with Pakistan for the last few months. There was that ceasefire announcement be between the two. Uh, and India has not wanted to rock the boat, if you like, uh, in Jammu and Kashmir and has, 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 uh, try to play the role of a responsible player so the regional situation does not escalate. At the end of the day, any solution that puts the Taliban backed by Pakistan in a position of power in Kabul is going to be difficult for India. And uh, unlike uh, 20 years ago, uh, uh, I would say that we don't have the benefit of saying we don't know what's going to come. We've more or less seen what followed when the Taliban was in, in, uh, uh, in power um, uh, where the kind of groups that they helped uh, to uh, exist in Afghanistan and gave uh, a shelter to the IC-814 hijacking where Taliban officials practically escorted people like Masood Azhar um, who had been released in, in exchange for Indian hostages there and escorted them to safety. Um, so so the, the truth is that there is no way of finessing this, although on the face of it, everyone is part of all the talks. Uh, India has uh, consistently been a part of every conversation and conference talking about Afghanistan. Uh, the truth is there is no way to put a gloss on what we are seeing right now as the United States uh, hastens its exit uh, and hastens its race, if you like, to the exit door. Thank you so much, Suhasini and Stanley. This is a topic, no doubt, we are going to be coming back to again and again. And I'm sure we'll have both of you back on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the InFocus podcast from The Hindu.